Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, mining community. Welcome back for another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining podcast. And today we have Richard Lloyd, who's the CEO of Minexa, which runs the mining funding platform NR Private Market. Rich is a 25-year-old mining industry veteran, having graduated from the Royal School of Mines in the early 90s, worked in gold exploration and mining and then investment banking. Um, I guess the rocks are in his uh, DNA. Rich also sits on a number of mining boards as a non-executive director. I met Richard at the Mining Darba in Cape Town recently and wanted to get him on the podcast uh, to talk about the financing landscape for junior miners as he has a, a strong background in this space and can provide some uh, good content and useful tips for those listening who are looking to uh, raise some finance for their projects. Um, so let's get straight into this and uh, I want to welcome Richard Lloyd. How are you doing Richard? I'm very well. How are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. I'm not too bad. Um, yeah, so as as I mentioned, we met at the uh, in Darba recently. Um, and for people that don't know you and the listeners that are listening, I wonder if you can give us a, a little bit about your background from when you graduated. You're from a, a geology sure. background. Um, and tell the audience a little bit about your career to where you are today. And then we can talk about what you're actually doing now. And I've got a number of questions I've uh, got for you. I'm sure you have. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's good to speak to your uh, your audience. Um, yeah, I, I graduated, gosh, in the early 90s now and uh, as a mining geologist and spent six or seven years in, in the sort of gold mining industry, yeah. both sort of exploration, project development, and, uh, and actually uh, at one point deep underground in South Africa. So uh, saw all aspects of that. And then uh, Actually, when uh, when pre-exit us all in Indonesia, I was going to say, how did you um how did you get your first role? Because again, I get quite a few graduates listening to this and recent graduates, and uh, some of them sometimes struggle to find their first uh, opportunity. Yeah, um, well, gold was at three hundred and fifty dollars an ounce when I graduated, so uh, it, it, the, the, the landscape was pretty bleak. But yeah. um, I was lucky. There was a, a group called Abaset Mining um, that were looking for young geologists to uh, get out there into the get their hands dirty in the, in the jungles of Malaysia and uh, I was lucky enough to join a very successful exploration team and we, we found a what well, we found what's called Penjong gold mine uh, yeah. the first geologist I worked with was a very good structural geologist called Nick Hewson um, and he'd inter- reinterpreted a load of data and uh, this this gold mine's still going and how, how did you find that role was it someone that you met maybe at a they, they came to yeah they came to the Royal School of Mines and said okay sort of mining geologists have you got so I guess it was, it was more of a reverse inquiry but I appreciate the, the students and the grads that might be listening in it's, it's all about getting your name out there and uh, being prepared to go to these weird and wonderful places that, that there aren't you know gold mines aren't necessarily found along the M4 corridor nowadays so <laughs> yeah. you've got to you've got to be prepared to go to some weird and wonderful places yeah and then after obviously your stint there how did your career then develop yeah well um 
The, the Brex uh, issue didn't help uh, anybody. So I was running a small junior mining exploration program um, for a Canadian junior, and the rug was pulled under the financing uh, along with a number of others. So it was a case of coming back to the Royal School of Mines and doing much more of a finance-orientated mining master's degree, which uh, is still running. Um, yep. It's sort of more along the lines of mineral deposit appraisal, yep. and that, that took me into the into the city. So I worked for three or four investment banks, mainly on the on the mining and the mining finance and project finance side and M&A, um, and that continued until relatively recently, so in the last three or four years, in, in which time we've developed a, a, a need for alternative financing, and this is probably where we're going to get onto a bit later on the junior financing themes. Yeah. Um, how do these junior mining companies fund their projects? And we've, we've come to realize that a, a platform approach would be very complementary alongside the standard and more common forms of financing. So we, a group of us have developed that over the last three years and are now in a position to really assist the mining world in uh, in an alternative way of, of financing projects yeah can you obviously briefly explain obviously this financing platform that you're involved in at the moment um the mother company is called minexia yeah and below that our our first foray into platform financing is, is purely on the metals and mining side and that's called nr private market so nr standing for natural resources so that is a platform-based financing. I mean, you, you could call it sophisticated crowdfunding where pre-screened, uh, pre-accredited investors, they have to be sophisticated, the high net worth will sign up. Uh, there's no cost to the investor. Um, and they will get access to the companies, both private and public, that are looking to raise funds on the platform. And likewise, on the issuer side, the companies have to go through a, a screening process we put on about one in 12 deals at the moment, uh, but also the, 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 now your client or the KYC checks and the anti-money laundering checks and stuff like that are absolutely paramount to any activity in this space. And as we are, we're FCA regulated through a, as an appointed representative um, of resolution compliance. So they they make sure that everything is done to the to the full requirements of the FCA, which is unlike perhaps the more sort of general crowdfunding sites that you would see. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this crowdfunding type of platform in the property sector, uh, which has probably been around for, I don't know, I would say that I've known around, uh, it's been around for about 18 months. How long has it sort of this crowdfunding platform been around, generally speaking, in the mining industry? And how well has it been received within the sort of mining community? It's been very well received. Uh, the mining community, we always tend to be a little bit slower on the uptake when it yeah. comes to new technology. Um, you know, there are only certainly ways you can dig a hole in the ground. Yeah. Um, so incorporating, incorporating any new technology is always a little slower. But if you, if you use the comparison of, of Airbnb, I mean, most, most people, when we all met at Indaba recently, most people have booked their accommodation on Airbnb and I pretty much Ubered everywhere. So yeah. if you if you take that analogy, but also from you from what you were saying there, most people have bought and sold property. Yeah. So it's pretty straightforward for most people to get their heads around. Investing in early stage mining projects is a little bit more technical. Um, and again, we we do not want to be in the situation where, you know, somebody just doesn't understand the space or is investing their life savings into something that they've been, you know, cajoled into or, um, or so, you know, someone down the pub has given them a, 
a good idea. That isn't that isn't what this is for. So this is pretty unique in the um, in the mining space. Although Jeremy Raffle down at Cornish Lithium very successfully used the used CrowdCube to yep. fund. Uh, I think it was 1.4 million sterling to advance the Cornish Lithium project down there. But that's a much more general, broader platform, a broader church. They do a, a number of different sectors. Yeah. And I suppose if someone wants to know a little bit more about this crowdfunding and what you're involved in, how can they how can they find out information as to how it actually works? Um, is there is there a, a, some information out there around yeah. crowdfunding or would they sort of come to you and have a chat with you to no, they can on, on our main website on the minexia.com website or even the nrprivatemarket.com website um, are all the sort of public presentations i've given i've spoken at various conferences and uh, it's a matter of gaining that momentum and that trust within the investor community but that's all readily available they don't actually they wouldn't have to go all the way through to being signed up, ready to invest in deals. That's the second stage, but people can click on the website and and gain an understanding um, of how it's all done. And it's been three years in the making. So as you can imagine, there's been some hurdles and some yeah. pit, pitfalls and stumbles, but um, each time we do a deal and each time as, as the investor base grows and grows, we, uh, we refine the platform and make it more efficient. Yeah. And is it sort of, actually 100% working now you've obviously gone through all those challenges now um is it pretty straightforward and running properly as it should do yeah i mean you know you're never going to see the swan's feet under the water um but the the investor journey is uh what we're hearing from all the people now is it's very smooth the signing up process each deal is each deal is different so there's always going to be something slightly different that we have to do um, with each deal. The latest one is a private domestic gold deal. Um, the largest one we looked at was a Mongolian copper deal, which was TSXV listed. So those are quite different animals. Yeah. So I've got a few questions I want to ask you. Um, what are the financing challenges facing the, the junior market today in, in sort of today's market environments so of the junior miners? What, what major challenges do you see them facing? Um, the market is traditionally been controlled by the investment banking community and the sort of equity brokerage community, which is, is great. Um, it is needed. It will always be there. But they have typically targeted a, a relatively limited pool of capital. You know, yeah. each brokerage house will have their Rolodex of key people they go to, which invariably will invest in deals. Um, and obviously, they're going to go to those first. Yeah, they've looked after them before. They know they're going to take part, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we'll fill a deal with those sort of people quite quickly. The problem is the investors are not seeing those early deals. So that's that's the other side of the coin, and we see the investor benefit. But there are, let me think. There's there's sort of ninety AIM listed mining stocks. I think there's seven hundred or so on the ASX, and between the TSX and the TSXV, well over a thousand or twelve hundred. So. There's quite a selection of companies and they're all chasing the same money. Yeah. And it's really getting their heads above the parapet and standing out from the noise and being able to show that, yes, we we are the company that you want to invest in. These are our objectives. This is our sources and uses of funds. Um, and this is how we're going to take the, 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 the company forward and use your money to deploy into the ground to you know, increase 
increase the resources in the reserves or advance to feasibility study or whatever the case may be, rather than we have seen, and we will continue to see certain lifestyle companies where, you know, there are business class airfares everywhere and lots of money spent in conferences, but not a lot going in the ground. And, you know, the public market now is, and certainly the high net worth and the family offices specifically, are really in tune with which companies are really deploying the capital. At the end of the day, which companies are going to get them the biggest returns? Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, you attended the, the recent in Darba. Was there a common theme between sort of junior miners in ter- in terms of the uh, reptile and race financed? Like obviously, people that you spoke to. Um, was there a common theme that with possibly what they're struggling with at the moment? Um, well, access to access to capital. Um, I think, though, most of the companies were fairly positive. There was a, a good mood in, in this year's in Darva, and we may see it in further as we go through uh, through twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, outside of the sort of ge- geopolitical challenges in, in Veronia, uh, Brexit's been and gone, and all the rest of it. But still, they are lining themselves up for accessing a, a return to an investment, a you know, positive investment environment. The squeeze on, whether it's a large cap, mid cap, or even the juniors, the squeeze on the corporate cash flows is, is still the is still the concern, especially with the exception of gold, you know, some still low commodity prices. And then you've got the increasing requirements constantly from the government side, the corporate and social responsibilities, which are, you know, absolutely imperative now to getting a project done but if you can imagine the you know the corporate cash flow as a pie there's only so much and of course the shareholders want to return the tax man wants to return so those are the as always the main challenges yeah. i think on the, the themes um i think there's a with the imf and even you just have to look at the copper price it's reduced from sort of mid-year or early year highs of three dollars a pound down to I think it's trading at about $2.6 a pound now. So that's that's quite a drop-off. And that's always, you know, they call it Dr. Copper for a reason. That is always the sort of bellwether commodity that shows where the market is heading. Yeah. Um, and the, the three-month and four, 12-month forward curves aren't really seeing a great deal of recovery. They're still in the $2.6 a pound. Now, that that links straight to China normally. You know, how, what is the growth in China? Um, you've got issues such as the coronavirus, et cetera, and you know, the US-China trade discussions, what's Trump up to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all these affect market sentiment and, you know, the, the, the import of iron ore, met coal, copper to the manufacturing and infrastructure side of the Chinese economy. Although, to be fair, they're still growing at 7, 7.8%, which is a, you know, that's adding trillions of dollars to the global economy. So it's still a big number. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's hard for for investors to differentiate between deals available, especially at early stages. Um, what advice would you give them, and what should they be looking at? It's usually management, management, management. Yeah. Unfortunately, that that's usually, and you will hear people like Rickroll, Sprott, and, and other commentators say exactly the same. Yeah. Um, if you can't get your heads around that, and it's it's a little bit chicken and egg because if they haven't got a, they've got may have a really good project and. They, they may be slightly less experienced, but it's usually have they had a track record of running these projects. So that's quite a hard one for the management to get over if they've never quite been there. 
Yeah. Um, it's a bit like your graduates with your first job, but what experience have you got? Well, none. That's why I'm talking to you, sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, but we we analyze um, deals. Um, there's a lot of sub factors, but on like what we call a four C's basis when we're vetting companies or vetting projects to come onto the platform. And that's probably a good starting point. So you look at the country, so you have geopolitical risks, you know, is it, you know, what are the challenges there? Is it on the sanctions list? Um, but some people prefer to invest in the, in the racier countries. Some very successful mining executives follow post-conflict countries and, and, and look for projects in those areas. Tim Coughlin, for example, has done it in Turkey. He's doing it currently in Nicaragua and Colombia with Royal Road. Yeah, that's a perfect example of someone who is prepared to go into those areas and get on with it, probably at an earlier stage than other. So, country risk is is one of the first ones. Uh, the commodity that you're in, you know, gold and copper are a little bit easier to assess than, let's say, antimony or vanadium. Yeah, and the, and the, you know, there are statistics on what these things are used for and how much, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the second consideration. And then, as I said, management, 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 that's actually corporate. What is the corporate structure? Where are they based? Are they listed? Are they private? What's the management expertise? What does the board look like, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the concession itself. And that's probably got most sub factors. So it's things like access to water, power, infrastructure, the actual geology of the, of the body and the mineralization itself. If they've got, as far as thinking about this, the, the mining methods, the processing methods, et cetera, et cetera, has it been done in that area before? So those are what we call the four Cs. I mean, there must be about 50 sub-factors all leading into those, and we generally score a project based on those four broad areas. So if someone can get their head around all four of those and the concession one being the most technical, um, and that's probably a good starter. Yeah. Um, so WRT to platform financing, why has it taken so long for someone to realise the market needs this? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there was there's more of a frustration, certainly the, the team I work with, we have peers now, you know, we're all in our sort of mid-late 40s, and we have peers that are now either running funds, running mining companies. There's the odd one still left in investment banking. The team, we are all either mining engineers, mining geologists. We have a chief technology officer who you know, makes sure that the nuts and bolts are running within the platform itself. But we had this common theme that people were so frustrated in that they had these great projects. I mean, okay, when you stand up at a conference and you listen to all the various projects, nobody says mine's below average, but... Uh, I don't think anyone ever says they're a below average driver either. So you do have to sort the wheat from the chaff. But um, it was just a requirement. And, and from the investor side, they are certainly more at the lower end of the spectrum. They're probably a little forgotten about by the um, by the broken community in that if a broker can approach someone that's going to invest half a million dollars into every deal, they're going to go straight to them first. Yeah. If you know, our normal minimum, minimum ticket is ten thousand US dollars, but that's a lot of ten thousand US dollars to build you up to a four or five million dollar deal. Yeah. Um, our sweet spot is the one to ten million dollars at the moment, and we have the investor community building that is, and it's a lot more efficient. So these people can click on the 
onto the platform. They get alerted when, as long as they're signed up, they get alerted to the deals that are coming and they can make their, their decisions based on the information we are putting up there. Whilst we're not recommending anything, obviously we vetted a lot of the, the companies we see and we are only putting the appropriate ones we think that um, answer our four seats, if you like. So we're doing a little bit of that pre-screening, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Moving on from this, how can it help junior juniors sort of raise much needed early stage finance? Yeah, it's access to that. They've moved beyond the sort of friends and family stage. And the hardest, ironically, it's, it's relatively straightforward to go out there and raise $250 million. You know, I'm not saying that's easy, but um, the, the steps to get there, to get up to your proof of concept feasibility study levels, you know, they can be a million, then three million, then five million dollars. And that's that's the tough end of the spectrum. As, as I said you know, earlier with the figures, I think there's something like 1,200 Canadian listed mining stocks out there, and they're all after the same pot of cash. Um, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of competition out there. Yeah. So yeah, it's the filtering, it's the vetting of that, and it's getting it's getting your head above the parapet and getting noticed. Yeah. Um. And what sort of what challenges are you sort of personally facing in today's environment? Uh, the regulatory challenges are and compliance is it's tough but necessary. The, the regulators are there to protect the investors, and there are you know there's plenty of unscrupulous funding routes out there or funding opportunities that aren't necessarily looking after the investor. So that is a, a very necessary um, part of it, but it, take, it does take a lot of our time, uh, which yep. is um, understandable. The constant, you need to be constant in that if you're using some sort of platform or any fintech, and this is where I've learned, this has been my steepest learning curve, it's the constant getting the information out there. I mean, for example, doing the podcast with you today and just raising that awareness and beyond your standard institution investor it's getting it back to the retail space perhaps yeah uh, it's getting out there via other means of communication i mean i i even set up a twitter account this year so uh, i mean that, my, my kids looked at me as though just coming coming out of the dark ages yeah <laughs> yeah i suppose like with social media it's about getting across all the platforms because the people that you're targeting you don't know exactly what they're what they're reading, what they're looking at, what they're watching, etc. Um, and if you want to make your service product, etc., accessible to as many people, then you've got to go across all the different platforms. Correct. Um, but you've also then, you know, they they are then protected. Even you know, they try and sign up, and it's just not suitable. They, yeah. They, you know, that won't that won't be there. That won't be able to get there. But you know, that's why that filtering is there to protect protect everyone yeah um i mean how many sort of deals have, have been done and what's the sort of outlook for the junior junior miner uh, sort of moving forward the last sort of global numbers there just to put everything in perspective the global expiration spend 2018 coming into 19 was about 30 billion us dollars a year and that's on pure expiration that isn't just step out um, work by by the majors, yeah. of which probably a tenth of that was brand new, early stage, what you would call pure exploration. So that's you know, three billion is still a big number. Yeah. Um, so even if we take uh, even if we help 
finance a slice of that, a very small slice of that, we're going to be doing extremely well. Yeah. Um, we've done five, we're on our fifth deal now. We've launched our first deal in uh, April of 2019. Um, so we're on to our fifth deal. I'd like to have done more. You have to be very, very careful with the first deals you do to get that momentum. And also you don't want to, you can't really have any rotten apples. Uh, yeah. Because at, at the early stage in, in any, I mean, we're a startup for want of a better word. Um, you, you can't have anything that's going to ruin the, the future. So we are quite selective in the ones we do. We do listen as we build our investor base. We, we listen to our investors and say, what do you like? Chilean silver got a tick. Mongolian copper got a tick. Um, but there are other there are other jurisdictions. And we're back to the four C's again. There are other jurisdictions and commodities where maybe the team isn't as first in. For example, coal, it's not that environmentally acceptable anymore yeah. a lot of banks are shying away from even the insurance market Lloyd's is shying away from insuring coal deals do we really want to put a coal deal on our platform probably not will our investors take part probably less so yeah uh, likewise if we had a russian antimony deal for example there just isn't the knowledge base out there because the investors still have to make the decision themselves whether they want to invest and they're more likely to go for a you know Ghanaian gold deal than uh and perhaps uh, you know a, a silver deal in in Chile or whatever. Yeah, yeah, understand. Yeah, um, slowly going to wrap this up. How can you sort of help junior miners raise funds and also help or guide investors <laughs> to achieve solid returns on their capital? We can we can vet the deals that we see, and we're yeah. I guess we're giving investors a, a better than a fighting chance on, on the deals they're looking at. You know, at least they know that a, a team of professionals have already looked at these deals. And again, as I say, whilst not recommending anything, they can look at what we're we're seeing. We're seeing more and more deals. We see them all the time. People are coming to us, both private and public. Um, so we're probably seeing a wider range. And we have the internal ability to be able to analyze these things either very quickly, which normally gets a, a, the negative answer or go further and further in depth into the deals. And on the, the flip side of that, the junior mining company, we've we've assisted companies in upscaling their profile, potentially the style of their um, corporate presentation. It's very tempting as a geologist, for example, as a CEO, to put 20 or 30 slides in about geology when actually most investors don't they're kind of interested in the colourful pictures, but they yeah. want to know where's this company going, what's the time frame, how much are you going to spend, how many more raises are you going to do, and either if you're private, when are you going to list, or what's the end game, yeah. and what's the time to get there. So we've assisted companies with that. We we have a bunch of platform partners on the platform itself. So there's a law firm, there's a risk advisory group, there's the PR companies, people like Lideway. Um, yeah. We also do a TV interview with most of the issuers with proactive investors. So you see the live interaction. You can see the management. Um, I usually take part in that as well. Why did you think it was appropriate to put this company on the platform? We'll go through the investment analysis ourselves. And then again, again it's up to then the investor to make their own mind up from there. But it helps the company get used to that bigger corporate way of life and certainly 
the environmental and the CSR, the corporate and social responsibility angle is, is tantamount nowadays. So we make sure that's all, all above board as well, and or at least they've got a, a direction that they know they can go in. But also it's a case of often people running, you know, you run your own company. Do you off, how often do you get to 50,000 feet and have a look at it from up there and say, oh, actually, that's, that's an idea or that's an idea. Very looking, often people Looking so from far, above, yeah. Yeah. So that's, we have the ability to be able to do that as well. Yeah. Um, so con- concluding, how do you see the future of mining from a, I suppose, finance perspective? I think people just need to look at more and more innovative ways of doing it and be able to raise their company profile above the, the sort of background noise. I mean, there's another group in, um, I mean, I, I, for clarity, I've been involved in this. They, they managed to do a, a project bond where they've monetized a stockpile that they have, uh, a 122,000 ounce stockpile, um, to finance the 1.2 million ounces they've got underground, okay. um, which will be exploited with an open pit. So they've they've issued a bond into the actually into the German market, um, Frankfurt and Berlin. It's kind of called Vera Gold, and um, you know they're looking to build that project kind of outside of the necessity of going to a broker or big equity raises or whatever they've just done a different route we've always tried to do project bonds in the past in mining and i think this sort of could be one of the first really successful ones so it's you know these management teams are thinking of newer and innovative more innovative ways of raising, raising finance and you know the platform technology sits alongside the more standard ways of doing it yeah um really appreciate your time richard uh for doing this podcast um, if our audience wants to uh, reach out to you and connect with you and ask you any questions, how can they go about doing that? Well, they can get through to us on the uh, Minexia website. So that's www.minexia.com. So Minexia is spelled M-I-N-E-X-I-A. Yeah. Or directly through to the platform, which is www.nrprivatemarket.com. Okay. And are you on any uh, social media platforms at all? Yeah, they'll find me on Twitter somewhere or LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, so, yeah. and alternatively, you can contact myself and I can pass any uh, messages on to Richard. And my email address is rob at mining-international.org. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly uh, got a lot from it. And um, please share please share this podcast with obviously like-minded people in the industry or anyone who you think might benefit, especially from this episode. Um, you can also visit the, the podcast website, which I launched probably about four or five weeks ago, which is www.digdeeptheminingpodcast.com. Um, leave a comment on this episode or let me know your thoughts on the, the podcast overall. Um, and even let me know what guests you would like like to see on the on the show so um yeah appreciate your your comments and feedback so until next time happy mining thanks for listening to dig deep the mining podcast if there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow rob and mining international on linkedin facebook twitter and youtube for more content and to have your questions answered Until next time, happy mining.